Good morning, brothers and sisters. At the end of our liturgical year, we always celebrate the great solemnity of Jesus Christ, King of the universe, as we do again this weekend. And we do this because we know at the end of time, when he comes in glory, he will establish himself as king over all peoples and all things. He's already king now. He's already king of the universe, but he's a patient king. He's a merciful king. He wants to give us time to submit to his rule. And if we do that, if we submit to him, then he will reward us. He'll take us to live in his heavenly kingdom forever. If we refuse, he tells us very clearly in the Gospels, he will cast us into the outer darkness where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. We don't want to oversimplify Jesus Christ, our King. He comes in mercy. He comes in compassion to save us. But if we refuse his mercy and his compassion, he will destroy us. And we deserve no better. Anyone who would refuse the forgiveness of God deserves eternal damnation. If in their pride and arrogance they do not recognize their need for a savior, then they do not deserve one. And hell has been prepared for them and the demons. You can have the merciful and gentle and loving king or the wrathful and judgmental one. It's your choice. Obviously, you're here on a Sunday morning because you prefer the first, as most of us do. Now, Christ's kingship works on, I guess we could say, three levels or three types. I guess I'll call them universal, particular, and general. The universal kingship of Christ is the fact that he is literally the king of everything. Even the stars obey him. Every demon, every angel, every human, every ant, all matter in the universe is subject to his will. That's the universal kingship of Christ. And in the end, he will judge all things. But there's also a particular kingship a kingship that we hear about in the scriptures and from the saints, that he wants to be king of your heart. Not just the general lord and ruler over all things, kind of this distant God, he is that. But he wants to be a particular king of your heart. He wants an intimate relationship with each one of you. How many subjects in the kingdom get to have a personal relationship with their king? That's what our Lord wants. That's his particular kingship. He wants to rule over your heart. That's how loving and intimate he wants to be with each one of us. Now, the general kingship of Christ is understood by all those who share in his kingship. And many share in the kingship of Christ. In fact, all do in varying ways. Every single baptized individual participates, shares in his kingship. They are, in fact, kings. But what are they kings of? 
Each one of us baptized into his life who share in his kingship are kings over ourselves. When Christ says, I set you free, what he means is, I set you free to govern yourself, to rule your own body and soul, to determine in which direction you will head, whom you will serve, how you will live. You see, until he set you free, you were a slave. You weren't a king. You were a slave to your own bodily natures. There was no hope of growth in virtue or holiness. He wants to set us free. He wants us to be self-directed, self-ruled individuals. This is why we struggle with him in the spiritual life. We Christians have a problem with God. And the problem is this. We want to be holy. He wants us to be holy. But we want him to make us holy, to kind of force us into holiness. How many times do you get frustrated? Lord, if you would just make me do the right thing, everybody would be happier. You'd be happier. My spouse would be happier. My children would be happier. My parents would be happier. We do this constantly. And we don't realize what we're asking. We're asking him to enslave us. And he would never do that. He offers you the very same dignity that he possesses as king. He will help you learn to rule over your nature, to control your desires, and to make good choices. He will help you learn to do that by his grace and by his teachings, the sacraments. But he will not do it for you. You are meant to be a king who has real authority, who rules over yourself in dignity. But there are other types of kings who share in varying degrees in his kingship. For example, you may be a king over yourself individually by the grace of baptism, but every husband, every father is king in his own castle. By his design, God has made the family a kingdom, and he has given to the husband, the father, that lordship over his wife and over his children. And so it's important to remember, wives and children, that when your husband is making some decision for the family, his kingship, his authority comes from Christ. It's not your husband or your father that you're obeying, it's the Lord. And obedience is never easy. You don't obey what you want yourself to do half the time. You're going to struggle to obey your husbands and your fathers. Now, if, if your husbands and your fathers are kings, who rules over them? That's my job. I'm the king of St. Dorothy's. I share in Christ's kingship as a priest and as a pastor in a unique way. My job is to rule, as our Lord teaches us, through humility and through self-sacrifice and service, but to rule nonetheless and to direct you according to my authority for your good and his glory. Who rules over me? Who's my king? Bishop Jugas. He's the king of the Diocese of Charlotte. Who rules over the bishop, the king on earth, the pope. Who rules over the pope, Christ the king in glory. 
You see, everyone has someone who rules over them. And you might not realize it, but even governing rulers in society get their authority, their kingship, from Christ. They share in it, whether they know it or not. Anyone who rules can only rule by the authority of Jesus Christ, who is king over all things. In our responsibility, our job is not only to be kings and holy rulers over ourselves, but to submit to those rulers Christ has placed over us. And and we struggle with this. It is constantly the battle that we go through in the Christian life. St. Paul says, I don't do the things I want to do, and I want to do things I shouldn't. But I want to use a very good example for you to illustrate how God rewards the humble who submit to those with authority over them. If you ever read the diary of St. Faustina, right? She's the saint through whom our Lord gave us the Divine Mercy devotion, the chaplet of Divine Mercy, the Holy Image. She writes in there a story when she was a novice. There were four other novices with her, and all of the five novices, these are young women preparing to become religious nuns in the order. They're in training. So during the period of training, they call part of that training novitiate. So these five novices were tasked in planting some cabbages in the garden that day. The the convent raised their own food. And so a sister was put over them by Mother Superior to direct their work outside. Now again, these five novices were all farmers. They grew up on farms. They'd been farming their whole life. They knew how to plant cabbages. Very simple. The sister who was placed over them had never worked on a farm in her life, knew really nothing about farming. And as she was explaining to them how she wanted them to plant the cabbages, she told them like the worst way possible. I don't know. There's like a certain depth and way you have to do it. I'm not a farmer. I don't know. So she instructed them to do it this way. Now, all of these young women knew it was wrong, and so they spoke up and they said, Sister, we we understand, but this is the way we always were raised to plant cabbages. This is the way all of our families have planted cabbages. This is the right way to do it. Otherwise, you're going to get a sick leave or, or even a dead cabbage. Sister did not care. She said, no, do what I tell you to do. I'm in charge. Now, she was objectively wrong. So four of those novices, once sister walked back into the convent, did it the right way. They just ignored what she said, and look, I'm not going to waste these cabbage plants just because she's ignorant. And so they planted the cabbages the way any farmer would tell you to plant them. But Faustina, she wasn't sure if that was the right thing to do. So she prayed and she realized, I should just be obedient. Our Lord will, will bless me if I'm just obedient. Even if the plants die, it doesn't matter. I was obedient. That's what matters. So she planted them the way that sister said. So over the next few weeks and months, as the cabbages began to grow, all of the other four novices who planted the cabbages correctly, their plants shriveled and died. But Faustinus continued to grow and flourish even twice or three times the size of a healthy cabbage. Now she wrote that story down to teach us all a very valuable lesson. 
that the Lord will always bless obedience. Even when the person you are obeying is wrong, God will reward you. And God will always punish disobedience. He will always punish disobedience. Even when the person directing you is wrong, there is only one circumstance in which our Lord allows us to quote-unquote disobey. And that's when the person ruling over us in one capacity or another is asking us to sin. Obviously, Christ would never ask you to sin, so they're not using real authority. So you can just disregard that. What's interesting is if I disobey Bishop Jugas because he's asking, he, he wouldn't, but if, I, if Bishop Jugas for some reason asked me to sin and I said, no, I'm not going to do it, he still has the authority to punish me even though I did nothing wrong. And I have to submit to the punishment out of obedience. And you can say, well, how is that just? Why is that fair? That's what our king did. Our king was innocent. He had done nothing wrong. Yet when he came into the world and subjected himself to us in love and in humility, he submitted to a punishment that he did not deserve. And you say, well, who wanted him punished? The Jewish leaders. Pontius Pilate, the Roman leader. They all wanted him dead and out of the way. And he said, so be it. And through that act of humble submission, even though he is a king, he set us free from sin. And if our Lord can turn the worst tragedy in all of history into the greatest good, imagine what he can do with your little lives and your circumstances of suffering and discomfort. Don't assume that subjecting yourself to the kingship of Christ only means going to church on Sunday, saying your prayers, and, and receiving the sacraments. That's part of it. But our Lord was not only obedient to religious leaders. He was obedient to all civil leaders as well. I know you're not going to like this next part, but he even paid his taxes. In both ways, religiously and civilly, when we are humble and submit, when we follow the example of Christ, we begin to serve him in this life, to build up his kingdom in the world around us and in our hearts. And so when we die, whenever that time may come, he will turn to us and he will say, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.